Coming up on the WAG Podcast, it's already halfway through December. We're in Dallas, so it hasn't snowed yet, but it snowed a lot of different places. I've seen all over the place. So we're in kind of that uh, conference basketball getting underway in a couple weeks after we had the two games. We're going to talk with Wayne Lord. You're going to talk with Wayne Lord. I point to Kendra Sheehan as they host Texas, the Longhorns, coming to Edinburgh next week. And they'll talk about that and a lot more. Uh, We had some big wins over the past week. We're going to break it down with Tony Jones and men's basketball. That's all ahead on the WAC Podcast. This WAC Podcast is brought to you by our friends at University Credit Union, the official financial institution partner of the Western Athletic Conference. Dun, dun, dun. Mid-December. No snow in Texas, like you mentioned. It's beautiful. I mean, I'm going for strolls. Not really, because by the time I leave work, now the sun's setting. It's pretty depressing. But, you know, it's like 60s still. It's insane. It's Not as dark as Denver, though, this time of year. Like 4.30, pitch dark. Yeah, that's true. So it is a little light. But, uh, yeah, people are so interested in light in Denver versus light in Dallas. I think, right? People I listen to the show? Probably not. <laughs> they probably want to hear about whack basketball. Whack basket. Why don't what what but 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 on the agenda on the rundown? We added something to the rundown. We 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 were gonna break down the commissioner's cup. Commissioner's. Oops, oh yeah, let's start right with the commissioner's cup. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, so this is after the fall sports have ended. Yes. And California Baptist, who had a sensational fall, they won. Whack uh, men's cross country almost had a perfect score. They won the Whack men's soccer tournament, right? Yes. Um, so they are in first place as we uh, finish out the fall. Yeah, no, it's pretty, pretty exciting. Utah Valley's right behind them. Uh, and then Grand Canyon, of course, in third, who won it last year, Utah Tech right behind. And so these will just uh, keep getting updated as, you know, these are fall numbers. And as we move to the uh, winter sports and spring, you never know what's going to happen. But um, it is pretty exciting. So Utah Valley won the Women's Cross Country Championship. Grand Canyon won the Volleyball Tournament Championship. But Utah Tech, how about the Trailblazers checking in at number four with Southern Utah right behind them? I know. Utah Tech making some waves in the basketball world as well as we tie it over into our basketball talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about first? rough. How about we talk about Violet Palmer? Oh, yeah. She is a Hall of Famer. We we knew that already. But uh, She's a Hall of Famer in our eyes. And I know she's been in several Hall of Fames. Halls of Fame? Yes. Halls of Fame. Hall of Fames. Halls of Fame. Hall, Hall of Fames. Halls of Fame? Hall. <laughs> <laughs> this is so Halls good so far. So congratulations to Violet. You talked to her on our WAG Basketball Preview Show. Violet, for those of you who don't know, she is our uh, coordinator of women's basketball officials. She also does several of their conferences. She is the first female NBA official. Uh, she is, uh, what, what's her her Twitter handle, it's like uh, first NBA first lady. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she knows everybody. Uh, she's done it all, and she has a great story to tell. And you had a great conversation with her and couldn't be happier for her getting into the Women's College Basketball Hall of Fame. I mean, just 
pretty pretty impressive when you look at what she's done over her career started 1997 as a referee and just uh nine years later was the first woman to officiate an NBA play NBA playoff game 2006 and then of course 2014 did that NBA all-star game as well just a really cool perspective on you know how the sport has changed we also talked to her before about you know just the women's sports in general as they continue to rise, especially in basketball and all the attention that uh, over social media, Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, all those wonderful athletes, Paige Buckets has brought to to uh, to women's basketball. And uh, she was also honored with the 2023 Gold Whistle Award uh, presented by the National Association of Sports Officials that's bestowed upon those who have made significant contributions to the betterment of officiating. By the way, back in the day, she was also a pretty good basketball player uh, in D2. Just had to throw that in. Just had to throw it in. I mean, you don't become a great official without knowing the game inside and out. And when you look up Violet Palmer when she was officiating, you see pictures of her and Kobe. You see pictures of her and LeBron. So she knows everybody. Everybody respects her, and, and congratulations to her. Very, very exciting as we turn the page to whack basketball as we're back in non-conference play continuing all the way until first week of January and we've had some some pretty exciting wins we've had a few whacked wins if you will and those are very important wins that are on our social media and kind of crazy when you look at the early standings and you see California Baptist 8 and 0 right now eight game win streak obviously yeah on the women's side CBU undefeated we saw this happen a few years ago it kind of feels like that again because jared olson is a very good coach and they he just had a uh, coaching milestone as i believe right um did he now i think he did as we look this up it's such good radio i mean you guys would be looking it up yourself so we're doing it for you so anyway they're eight and oh to start the season they are two and oh in the whack and they have our whack ticket smarter players of swept the week. Swept them this week. Swept them. Chloe Webb and Chloe Lemon. Now, not to be confused as one starts with a C, Chloe Webb, and the other starts with a K. But, you know, Webb has just been on fire. My goodness. Yeah. 25 points on the game at, at Utah Tech. Or 20, yeah, 25, average 25 points. Per game. Per game at Utah Tech and Pepperdine. Um, and Six great... rebounds. She currently leads the conference in steals as well and scoring per game. So she is doing some work, rotation. as they say. Now, Lemon, how about that? Freshman guard, average 11 and a half points, three rebounds, 1.5 steals. And so, yeah, my goodness. I mean, you always wonder, hey, what are the newcomers going to bring? Well, Chloe Lemon's bringing it. She is. And did you ever uh, find that little tidbit about <laughs> um, 400 career NCAA, NCAA wins? wins. Yes. Winning is a habit. Love that tweet, California Baptist social squad. So they are leading the conference at eight and oh, Grand Canyon right by them, behind them, seven and two, two and oh in the whack. Stephen F. Austin, two and oh in the whack. They are six and three. Overall, uh, Grand Canyon also on a five-game win streak that includes a win over a whacked opponent, Pac-12, Arizona State. Oh, yeah, 66-59 at Arizona State, which is even tougher. And you look at 
four players in double figures. Olivia Lane has just really come on. And and I remember her last year. She was new to the program last year. So this is her second season. And she had been battling some a knee injury, I believe, for, for quite some time. Um, and so she was kind of battling through that last year. So, I mean, she's been she's been a force. Double-double, 18 points, 13 rebounds in that. Um, I believe she also transferred in. Can't quote me on this. I want to say, and I'm going to look it up. So, I mean, you can hear her typing. You can hear me typing because part of me wants to say North Dakota. And Olivia Lane is going to be listening and say, what? Are you kidding me? I did not. South. No, it was North Dakota. Ding, ding, ding. Such a good memory. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Three years at North Dakota. So GCU defeating Arizona State 66 to 59. We had a takeover on our Instagram page last week by Stephen F. Austin women's basketball as they were traveling to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. And they didn't win, but uh, they did play the Crimson Tide rather closely. They were actually up. In the second half, SFA was before losing 74 to 69. Destiny Lombard was in charge of that said takeover, scores 19 points in that. So, shout out to, to Destiny and a reminder to anyone if we ask you, hey, do you want to do the whack Instagram takeover? Look at what Destiny did. You could have a big, big game. Yeah. And those are so fun to, to watch and see, you know, oh, you get the bus ride or you get the plane and this is what the warm up is. And these are the pregame meals. I love those. All the little things that, you know, we ask student athletes about afterwards and they explain them. But to, to see it on our Instagram is is pretty cool. So shout out to Destiny Lombard. I know you got a lot on your plate for game day and juggling our social media was awesome. How about Utah Valley and, and the game they had? against Utah State of the Mountain West, a group of five winning by 30, 68-38. You know, I think that was also a a big win for Utah Valley. I watched one of their, I believe it was their first game that they played. They played at BYU. It was when I was at Utah Valley for the Women's Volleyball Championship. And, you know, they got a lot of new pieces, and putting them all together is is tough. Um, You know, you got Jenna Dick, who had 12 points, Allie Criddle, 13 points. This is a team, don't count them out. You know, they, they're, where are they in the standings right now? I'll tell you where. They're pretty close to the bottom. But uh, that's they're, just they're, because... they're kind of in the middle on the net, though, I believe. Yeah. And then we also saw Southern Utah beat New Mexico, also the Mountain West, 58 to 40. So a couple of pretty big wins by uh, by some WAC schools there. Yeah, no, it's been it's been nice to uh, see our women's basketball teams continue to elevate the just in general for the conference. And as you know, we talk a little bit with Tony Jones about how our men's basketball uh, continues to rise in the conference rankings and our women's basketball is on their way and working towards that as well, continuing to grow and develop and, and create a league that, you know, is really, really strong top to bottom. And you're going to talk to Lane Lord in our final segment today. And Coach Lord talks about they're going to be hosting Texas. Huge game next Wednesday. But we're seeing quite a few Power 5 schools coming to WAC schools to play women's basketball in the coming weeks. Southern Utah going to be hosting Utah on Saturday at the Huntsman Center, Cedar City, Iowa, 5 o'clock Mountain Time, the Utes at Southern Utah. Now, one of the things, I'm going to go back into something I saw on social media last week. Don Staley 
South Carolina, South Carolina coach. She played at Temple. Yes. Yeah. They played. I don't remember what the program was, but it was a it was a mid major. Yeah. And someone had asked her, you know, hey, why are you scheduling these games? And she was like, when I was a coach back in the day at a, a mid major rising program, um. You know, I had coaches reach out to me and say, hey, look, this is I love what you're doing. I love the development of this program, the trajectory. I want to give you guys the chance to play some top talent, grow your program, grow, grow the players, get a chance to, you know, match up against really, really top, like top talented players, really, really top talent. (laughs) Um, And so I almost, you know, you know, Lane Lord had talked about, you know, that we'll hear it actually about the connection um, with. Texas, but it's pretty cool because, you know, if you're going on the road or big programs are coming to you, I mean, it means that those coaches are recognizing, yes. you know, maybe that, Hey, this is a growing program. Let's give them a chance to, you know, you might not come out with a win, but what you'll learn is great. And, and the players getting that experience and stuff. And so, you know, maybe, I don't know what's going on all these coaches, but you know, I mean, if you're, you're looking at coming to our schools, you know, we're growing programs. Absolutely. Don Seeley. Coached at Temple before she was at South Carolina. She actually played at Virginia. Ah, I knew I had something wrong there, but uh, one of the greatest players of all time, one of the greatest coaches of all time. You don't yeah. see that every day either. No, you don't. No, you don't. All right. Well, that's pretty good uh, women's basketball talk. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk some men's hoops with Tony Jones on the Wax Podcast. Don't go anywhere. No, 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 no. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner, Kendra Sheehan, now joined by Tony Jones, who is our master of men's basketball knowledge. Absolutely. One of them. Actually, we have several. I was just going to say, I, I can't claim that. One of them. You can. And you will. So, Tony, we're here uh, mid or mid-December already. It's hard to believe. Uh, Christmas, just a few weeks away for those folks celebrating Christmas then New Year's, and then we're going to be back into whack play. We had an interesting situation with the schedule this year where we had a week of, of whack action. Kendra talked to Lane Lord, the UTRGB women's coach, which is coming up in our, our next segment, and he, he talked about how much he liked the idea, and it also allowed for this Conference USA partnership in terms of scheduling, allowed some more time to get in there. But as far as first week of, of conference action, um, of course, we saw some teams maybe expected to be 2-0, but then we see some teams maybe not expected to be 2-0. Yeah, and what's interesting is even those that, that are unbeaten at this point, you really see the resume seating system coming into effect and not necessarily following that order of, of where the records are. Um, the, the first two teams and the latest update of the men's seating system uh, from, actually it was from December 12th. So from the start of this week going into this week was Grand Canyon and Tarleton State, who I would say sort of passed that eye test and have been the best teams in the conference. Then you have Utah Tech, who got off to a nice 2-0 start in conference. They're eighth right now in the resume seating. So they're, they would be, based on that, they would be one of the last teams into the field despite being tied at the top. So it's interesting to to 
note that at, at this point of the season of that's something that this conference has going for it. That's a little bit different than everybody else, because there's no other league that you, you'd be a week into conference play with three teams tied. And you're talking about one of the teams is, yeah, we're not sure that they're, they're going to make the tournament at the end of the year. Just, just kind of looking at it as a whole. So it was interesting to start early, but I think it was a nice data point for the teams to sort of see where they stack up with everybody as they hit the last of the tournaments and some of the key non-conference games around the holidays. And of course this year, eight teams only getting in as opposed to virtually everybody getting in as, as we yeah. had last year. And that's based on the conference record. And then once they're in, then they get seated as we saw last year where there was, you know, a couple of teams that won the regular season title, but they weren't the number one seed because of the resume seating system. Um, the big game and sorry to jump on you there, Kendra, I'm sure you had a great question. I had a great out. question. And now I just feel like it's lost <laughs> in the mix. You'll never near it. Uh, the big game last week was Grand Canyon against Liberty. Uh, two weeks in a row, they get to play on national TV on linear, as we yeah. call it, ESPNU. Uh, very good game for them as they beat Liberty, who maybe, you know, nationally, it doesn't resonate like San Diego State does, the sure. team that was in the championship. But this was a very good team they beat and one that's going to really help them in terms of resume seating, in terms of Ken Palm, in terms of their net. Just looking at, at the net as it was most recently updated, that's one that you can hopefully, if you're GCU, you'd like to see that hanging around in quad one all year. A, a key true road win against a good opponent from a peer conference. So that's that's what you want this time of the year. And, you know, just running down their schedule, that's sort of what we've seen from them. I mean, the only defeat is on a neutral floor against South Carolina, who's been traditionally a, a good team going back here a number of years. You've got San Diego State win at home. You've got San Francisco on the neutral floor. You've got Liberty at Liberty. If you're GCU, you're hoping that, you know, those three wins can hold up throughout the year. And, you know, the way that the, the quad system works, you, you you get a little bit more leeway for true road games compared to neutral games compared to true home games just to balance out that home court advantage, so to say. But, you know, the, I think the hope for the Lopes is that San Diego State kind of finds their way here and writes the ship a bit and continues to to do what they've done the last so many years and let that win stick later in the year. You know, GCU with three quad one wins, they're right up there in the mix with everybody in the country to this point of the season in quad one. They're possibly not going to see any games maybe get quite to that level the rest of the year. Only time will tell. You know, a big game coming up with Louisiana Tech here at the end of the month as we head into January. That's another, as we said, good mm -hmm. test against a, a peer conference team. But that one will be a little different. It won't be on the road like it was at Liberty. So won't quite get the the points there for that one. But that could be a solid quad two win and just kind of help build out that resume. 38 in the latest net, which is, you know, really where they want to be. And, and for us as a conference, you know, that's where we'd like our leading team to be, because that means regardless of what happens in our tournament, you're going to be in the mix. And that's really all you can ask for. A potential for a maybe two bid league this year. Could should be. something happen and Grand Canyon just sitting 3.56. Next one is Tarleton state 1.18. And, you know, ED and I have talked a little bit about Tarleton state and, and what they have done and how, you know, not, surprising initially from when you looked at their roster and the complete overhaul that they had and now factor in Billy Gillespie is, is, is stepped away from the team with his medical situation that he has, doesn't know if he's going to return. So you don't even have your head honcho there and they're still putting out wins. Do you see this just kind of carrying, you know, over for the rest of the season? Do you, do you expect Tarleton to state to, to stay up in this upper 
half the bracket rankings. It's a fun team to watch play. <laughs> I, I don't really know how to describe their style of play, but it's unlike anybody else in our league for sure. Um, the game they played with UTRGV a few weeks ago at Wisdom Gym was possibly one of the best games we'll have in our league all year. And again, we had this kind of preview, so to say, of conference play before we get back. But I'm not sure we're going to have a game that equals that in the league the rest of the way. For that game to end in regulation, going back and forth like it did, to have a circus shot hit at one end with less than you know five, six seconds left, that should have been a game winner to wind up as a buzzer beater at the other end is just, it's what you want for finish always. And it's, it, it just goes to show that that again, and to, to shout UTRGV out of, if you kind of look at their record, look where they are in the grand scheme of things nationally, nobody's giving them any credit and they played Tarleton to the whistle. They played GCU before that within a 10 point or so game uh, in a very tough you know, a, a very tough situation to to host a team of that caliber and to play well and to be in striking distance with the team we're talking about who's stacking wins. So when you look at, you know, the, the Ken Palms of the world and the NCAA net, it's not really showing necessarily in the numbers, but just with the eye test and as you're watching these matchups from one through 11, this league is strong. And, and you know, for... From a resume standpoint, as as teams maybe start to to knock each other off in conference play, that could change some things. And it's you know, you're not going to see these teams maybe ranked as highly nationally, but it's going to make our tournament fun. That's what I do know. The eight teams who get in, it's going to be a fun tournament because one through eleven, everybody matches up, and, and a Tarleton can compete with anybody in our league, and with the style uh, that they play, aggressive jumping out of the gym, getting on the glass, they could be a problem for pretty much anybody they match up with. Yeah, and Tarleton has some some big matchups uh, ahead here as we, you know, get back into non-league play. They will be at Tennessee. They're going to be playing Jacksonville State in that Conference USA agreement that we have playing Conference USA teams, also at uh, Loyola Marymount. So those are very big games in terms of net ranking, Ken Palm, those kind of things. And Tony, in the uh, conference rankings, we saw the WAC take a big jump last year to number 11, uh, currently in the Ken Palm, number 13. So pretty similar to last year, ahead of Conference USA at the moment at number 14. We see the Sun Belt, number 17. So getting that Ken Palm ranking up to 13, what do, what do you see some of the factors? I've obviously, uh, Grand Canyon beating San Diego State, some of the wins they have, but like you said, it has to be a one through 11 that, that gets that conference rank. Sure. And the way that Ken goes through those rankings is he basically takes anyone who is expected in his model to finish at 500 or above in league. Those are the teams that he scores. So when you see the big 12 leading the way at 17 plus whatever there is, that tells you that their top, you know, six to eight teams are all expected to be 500 or better with a plus value in, in their, their metric. So that that's kind of what separates pop, possibly the top teams from everyone else is they have seven or eight really high quality teams to where, Hey, we've, you know, we've mentioned, you know, possibly our, our top two or three who are really making some waves here, but the difference that kind of separates the mid majors from those high majors is that they've got eight, nine, 10, 12 of these teams that could possibly be scoring in those type of things. But uh, again, from where the conference was not very long ago, we're talking two or three short years ago, the WAC was in the mid twenties of that same metric with the division one conferences and the independents who are also factored in as well, who are schools who, who are unaffiliated with a conference in division one. So to be up by, you know, 
give or take 11 or 12 spots consistently now for going on three seasons, I think is no small feat. And that's a testament to our teams for scheduling better, but also for not only bringing in better quality games and better quality opponents, they're getting results. They're winning some of those games. And as it turns out, they're winning a majority of those games to stay kind of above the 500 mark. So it's, it's a step in the right direction. I think coming off of 11, as you said, last year, you probably want to continue that upward momentum and, and see if you could get into the top 10. But what, as you said, when you look around at the teams or excuse me, at the conferences who are there of the CUSAs of the world, the Atlantic tens American conference, these are all, leagues that have strong basketball programs, strong basketball lineage, and to to be the Ivy League also is up up near mm-hmm. the top 10 as well. That's kind of where you want to be. You want to be in the mix with those teams and, and kind of feel that upward momentum to, to possibly try to get into that top 10. And, and, you know, part of the WAC resume seating system is scheduling those big opponents. And, you know, I think a big ding on Utah Tech was their, you know, loss to Idaho at home, one point loss, which I'm sure, you know, as, as we saw in the resume seeing system, they're down to eight. Uh, but how have you watched the teams, you know, kind of embrace this resume seeing system and then begin to like buy in and start to schedule a lot more big time opponents. And not only like on the road, we're getting big time teams to come to our places and play our teams and, and, and compete in those. Yeah. Even if it's a home and home, I doubt anybody's going to be racing to Phoenix to sign any <laughs> deals with GCU anytime soon. And probably for good reason. Uh, even if you're getting a home and home out of that, uh, again, I don't know if it's worth giving up the road game because you're going to, if it's not one of the top 10 environments in the country, I'd like to see the other 10 ahead of it. I really would. It's, and it showed San Diego state was rattled in that game. And that made a big difference. GCU played well, and that helped, you know, against a very veteran team, a final four team, but that atmosphere put them over the top. And it's, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of the high majors that are lining up for a home and home with GCU anytime soon. So that means they're possibly going to have to, to be going on the road to get these quality games. But as they showed with Liberty, you know, as they've showed with, with some other teams here, the last so many years, playing in the Arizona tip-off with some quality teams in Glendale. They're not afraid to go anywhere and play anybody. So I think that's a team you don't have to worry about. But as we kind of look through the rest of the conference, you know, I think if you were to ask everybody, there's probably still mixed opinions, both from administration level, coaches level, about the seating system. Just for what I kind of let off with, of if you're Utah Tech, you got two big conference wins, one of which was against your rival in Southern Utah. And as you said, you had two very close losses in non-conference play, but... They're against teams that are a little ways down in the net. They're down in Kempom. And as such, they, they're down according to our seating system. And it took Utah Tech from second to eighth based on two out-of-conference losses that were very close games. And it, possibly in one case, as you said, with a one-point game, kind of a hard luck loss. But that's that goes to the, the importance on the scheduling, but also of getting the results. You know, you, you've got to obviously stay above 500 to be NCAA tournament eligible, but you've got to stay a few games above overall throughout the season. And that's, I think really the point of the resume seating system is to schedule better, to get more division one opponents on the schedule, to get more quality division one opponents on the schedule, but also to to try to get some of those results and, you know, try to to get toward that 18 or 20 or so wins in a year to, to really have yourself firmly in the conversation. Yeah, and to Kendra's point about, you know, getting some good teams to come in, we see Seattle U is going to be hosting Washington uh, this Sunday. Of course, they're both in Seattle, sure. but uh, to, to have a, a Pac-12 team uh, come into a, a WAC, uh, you know, for a road game. 
And then also, you know, the Conference USA, uh, as we mentioned, Tarleton, Jacksonville State. Uh, we're going to see New Mexico State traveling to Stephen F. Austin on Tuesday. So an old whack matchup Whoa. way back from last year. Uh, we, we also see Liberty traveling to Utah Valley next week. Louisiana Tech will be at Seattle U. Sam Houston at Grand Canyon. Another, Whoa. Uh, uh, igniting the rivalry of the last year's semifinal in the WAC tournament. So in terms of some big matchups coming up this week, Tony, I know uh, we, we have a couple circle. What what are some uh, some games maybe you have circled on your calendar? Yeah, I was going to say each of those are, are going to certainly show those teams kind of where they're at again at this point of the year. The Seattle U-Washington game is always a big game there. They go to the big building at Climate Pledge Arena and, and, and pack some folks in for that. So not really a long trip either way for, for either team, as you said, because you're, you're staying right in the city limits, but that will be a great test for the Red Hawks. They've, you know, they've kind of come out of it on the other side with a veteran team here with a six and three start. Um, eight of those games are at the division one level. So a, a strong start for them, but this is going to be a real test for them to see where they're at. The Louisiana tech game is going to be big and, you know, kind of looking down the line after that, They'll have a, a few other big games with, with UTEP, I know, toward the end of the month and uh, some other teams as they're kind of closing out. So they're really going to kind of get into the meat of their non-conference schedule maybe a bit later than some of these other teams. But I think that was great scheduling by Seattle U to you know, schedule some winnable games early. Out of their three losses, there, there's been three really tough losses there. They've been in the mix in all of their games their offense is capable of getting as hot as anybody in the country when they're hitting their shots. And it's kind of starting to come around with their veteran roster. So I think that's really a team to watch here over the next few weeks. But the team to me, that's really been the mystery the whole way has been CBU to this point, a one and one start with a, a, a tough loss to Utah tech in that midweek conference game, but six and two, I feel like they've not been talked about as much as grand Canyon or Tarleton to this point. And they've got the results to show at, at six and two. Um, it, it's going to be a really big test for them as they're kind of finding their way through this next you know, half month or so of the, the non-conference season to see kind of where they're at. One and one in the league, just kind of above in the plus territory of the resume seating system to keep them in the top four. But can they keep that momentum going? Because, you know, it's it's easy to see. There's been some changes to that roster. There was some veteran players who still had some time left who've gone elsewhere. They've plugged and played some other players. They've got some other guys from within the conference to transfer in. And it's paying off. You know, the Lancers are really playing great. That's, uh, you know, talking about home environments, that's another great environment in Riverside mm -hmm. at, at their building when they get that place going. So that's a team that's that's kind of hard to peg right now just because there's so many new faces in CBU uniform for them this year compared to some of the players we've seen who've made an impact the last few years. But it still feels like they're, they're still kind of where they usually are. They're in the mix. They're just in the hunt. They're maybe not at the top, but they're right in there. And I think these next few weeks are going to be really big to sort of see where they're at and for them to find their way and find their place here as we turn it back toward conference play at the start of next month. Got a lot of uh, more exciting matchups, too, as you look at, you know, UT Arlington at Texas Tech, Utah Tech at Colorado, Abilene Christian at Arkansas. Now, this is next week, so I'm just dipping. Whoa, I was, going... I was about to have I know, a party. right? These are all <laughs> just going down the line of just seeing. Now, one of the ones I did want to point out was Sunday, UTEP at Abilene Christian. That'll be the return of Joe Golding, who coached oh, yes. the Wildcats to the NCAA tournament, the win 
over Shaka Smart in Texas. He winds up going to UTEP after that. This will be his first time back at ACU as a head coach of another team. So I imagine there'll be a lot of emotions that, but also it's a Conference USA uh, matchup. And I think we've seen it as we've kind of run through some of these <laughs> matchups that we've had in the early going. I think that's been a very beneficial scheduling agreement. Um, you know, when you look at the two teams, their two conferences, excuse me, they're neck and neck in Ken Palm have been the last so many years. That's what precipitated this this sort of agreement was let's, you know, try to get some of these matchups on paper each year. Let's get these teams playing one another because it's not going to hurt you. We're, we're, we're kind of in lockstep with where we're, we're at as conferences. And instead of playing some non D ones or possibly some lower D ones, some longer travel, a lot of these teams are, are kind of within the same footprint, so to say anymore, especially adding the, the Texas block to the whack over the last few years. So I, I think that's been a good arrangement thus far. There's been some quality games that have come out of it as we were running through, there's still a ton of quality games that, that we have to see here these next few weeks. So you know, that, that should be a big one, but that's, that's a big test for ACU. I, I, I would say that they would probably say that they're possibly not where they hoped they would be at this point of the year with some veterans back in the mix and a tough schedule out of the gate for sure, but maybe hoping they had another game or two in hand at this point as, as they're getting into the stretch run of non-conference play. So what a better test, as you said, to, to kind of dial it back there at home and, and get those emotions going and see if they can get what would be a, a very nice win to add to their resume. Brett Tanner coached under Joe Golding. So a little reunion, if you will, with the two coaches. I know that we had talked to Brett Tanner at media day and, you know, it would be an emotional, emotional night there for, for both of those programs as well. Well, Tony, want to thank you for taking some time out. Yeah. Uh, I know we got a busy schedule here, so I uh, want to let you go when we come back. Kendra's going to sit down with Lane Lord from UTRGV. They're hosting the number five team in the country. And as we mentioned, we got WAC teams hosting some big time teams. That's going to be one of them. That'll be next on the WAC Podcast. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. I'm Kendra Sheehan, now joined by UTRGV women's basketball head coach Lane Lord. And coach, it's so good to talk to you and have you on the podcast once again. And you get a unique opportunity playing back-to-back Texas A&M Corpus Christi. You played them before. You'll play them again tomorrow. What does it mean when you play a team back-to-back in terms of, you know, how you approach the first game with uh, how you approach this second one, having already played them and seen what they're able to put on the floor? Well, Corpus Christi is our, what we consider our biggest rivalry game. It's uh, the South Texas Showdown. That's the closest Division One school to us, which is about two hours away. So we always play Corpus twice, and it always seems to happen in the same week. And it always seems to happen right before Christmas. So uh, we went to their place last week, uh, um, had a, I think it was our eighth game in about a two-week span, three-week span. We're, we kind of have a depleted roster right now with injuries. So they they took it to us last time, uh, beat us by 20 points. And so what do you try to learn from that? Well, you try to, um, you know, maximize on the things you did well, but really it's about focusing on the things we didn't do well. And uh, number one was we shot 20% in that game. We've got to do a much better job scoring the basketball. Um, and then also defensively, I thought we did some really good things, but when the shots aren't going in, it, it kind of snowballs on you. So 
hopefully uh, this game against Corpus, uh, we can put the ball in the hole. We're, we are going to get a couple players back that we didn't have the the past game, so that's going to help us um, just for death purposes. And um, so, yeah, we're excited for the matchup. Hey, you mentioned it. A lot of injury is a depleted roster so far this year. How have you, you know, worked to adjust your lineup and, and plug pieces in where you see fit with so many faces that you usually would have in that starting lineup now out with a season ending injury or just out for a few weeks and hoping they'll come back soon? Yeah, it's been it's been uh, tough. We got people playing in different positions. We we only had one healthy post player for the first eight games. We're going to get a shot in the arm on this next game. We got Zariah Sango coming back for the Corpus game, uh, six foot four. Um, well, we got Deb Oganemi who started every game for us last year. She'll be back uh, really playing in her first game against Corpus as well. She tried to play a couple weeks ago against Grand Canyon and. Uh, just wasn't ready to go, but uh, she's healthy and ready to go now. So just having those two inside presidents are really going to help us. Um, but to answer your question, uh, we've got uh, uh, three players playing the four, four players playing the five. We got uh, um, uh, Kate Hackerot that's played one through five. Uh, we've had to really jumble this lineup just to stay competitive, but uh, uh, we're very positive about this team. We have high expectations still, even though we're off to a really rough start. Uh, once we get our pieces back here after Christmas, we feel like we can still make a run in the league. So we're excited. After a tough start to the season, what excites you most about this team, the way they're able to kind of rally around each other and just the openness and willingness to you know, go into a different position and do whatever it needs, the team needs to try and go in there and get the job done? Well, we, we have a really neat group. We have 10 returners, you know, actually not right now, but we have 10 returners and then we have some newcomers. But, you know, we got to go to Puerto Rico this summer and we got to see how much talent this team really has. And and so, uh, you know, high expectations. But in the fall, it was like a domino effect. We just got hit with the injury bug. Um, but the exciting thing about it is, is we're going to get five out of those seven that have been out for the whole year back here in the next week uh, or two weeks after Christmas. So, we feel like uh, the, the excitement's still there. It's just, you know, when you when you uh, when you play forty minutes and you're supposed to be playing the three and you're playing the four, or the five. I mean, just different positions. It takes a toll on you. So getting some healthy bodies back is going to be the most important thing for us. And um, but like I said, we're excited. We still think we have a great team. We we think we have a chance to to really do good things this year. So we're going to put the past behind us and just start moving forward. And I know it's tough with the schedule, having already played two conference games so early in the season, and then you'll resume conference play in January. How have you as a coach had to approach the season, you know, knowing that you have those two whack games early and then, you know, conference play gets into full effect a little bit later? I'm probably I'm probably out of the norm here, but I really like it because I think the WAC's doing a great job with us getting the conference challenge. Um, and that's why we moved these games to the to the uh, fall semester, these two uh, conference games. But, you know, scheduling is the hardest thing for us to do. Um, and to get two guaranteed games every year is just huge for us. So I don't mind it at all. Um, of course, we had to open up at Grand Canyon, um, then came home and played Tarleton. But, um, you know, we've got 18 more of these conference games ready to go. And, and we're excited for that challenge. And you get number five, Texas, in Edinburgh. How did you get the Longhorns to, to come to the Valley and that awesome matchup and the equality of opponent that that provides for your team? 
Well, we uh, a couple of years ago during COVID, we were sitting in the airport in Phoenix. Uh, we had just played Grand Canyon. And we were getting ready to fly to New Mexico State, and they they had gotten COVID, so we lost that game at New Mexico State. Well, at the same time, Texas had lost their game with Baylor. Coach Vic called me, said, "Hey, I heard you guys uh, uh, lost a game. We did too. Why don't you come fly here and play us?" So we did it on a whim and played the next day at Texas. And he said he'd do us a favor, and and here here we are two years later, and. Um, it's just huge for the Valley because the Longhorns, the Cowboys, you know, the the uh, Texas Rangers, Houston Astros, but Texas on the college is the mothership for us. Everybody's a Longhorn fan down here in the Valley. So it's not even it's 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 good for Texas as well as it's good for us because we're going to have our biggest crowd we've ever had. We're going to play at Bird Ogden Arena uh, where the Vipers play. Seats nine thousand. We're hoping to to get close to that. So it's going to be an awesome environment and you get to play arguably one of the best teams in the country. What a better opportunity for our kids. And, you know, you just mentioned a lot of Longhorn fans in Edinburgh. And so are you expecting, you know, a split fan group in there? Or you think they're all turning, you know, they live in the Valley, so you got to go UTRGV. I think they'll cheer for both teams, but <laughs> we're handing out as many t-shirts as we can when they walk in the door. So we're going to, we're going to try to make them wear the, the UTRGV, you know, uh, Rally the Valley shirts. And, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of Longhorn fans too. And I did see it was a ugly sweater t-shirt giveaway. So I didn't know if you were planning on maybe rocking an ugly sweater for the game, you know, kind of dress up. <laughs> I'm going to stay away from that one. Uh, my clothes are bad enough already, so I'll just uh, stick with what I usually wear. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I know Ayanna Dorsey, we spoke with her at Basketball Media Day, but she's your team's leading scorer, averages nearly 17 points a game. How have you watched her just continue to develop as she progresses in her basketball career? Well, I think, you know, she's kind of in between a point guard and a combo guard, and uh, we really like to play her on the wing or at the two spot, but uh, she's kind of been having to be our point guard this year with injuries, and I think she's handled it really well. She's uh She's played through a, a really bad hamstring all year, but she's been tough and courageous. And uh, when she scores, we're always those games that are close. That's why, because, you know, she's putting up 25 or, uh, you know, uh, getting us into our sets and doing a great job at the point guard position. So just to see her evolve from uh, just kind of strictly a two guard to a point guard has been neat for us. And it's going to help us in the long run as well once we get a couple other point guards back. Cade Hackerot is the team's second leading scorer, but she leads the team in rebounding. And I know she's probably had to adjust uh, in, you know, where she's had to play. What have you liked about her development and how much of a difference maker can she be when she's that force on the glass? Yeah, she's a tough player, great competitor, coach's kid. Her, uh, her dad's our associate head coach. Um, so she's been a really good transfer for us. Came from a powerhouse division two program, Central Missouri. And, uh, you know, she can put it on the floor. She can shoot the three. Um, but really what she gives us, like you said, is just her toughness on the defensive end. She's a great rebounder, a high IQ kid, and uh, she's going to continue to get better as, as the league season goes on, and we're really excited about her. You have mentioned earlier you were guys were working on, you know, having to be better shooting and also defensively, specifically in practice, kind of what are your, your main focus that you look for as you know you prepare for a team like Texas to come in. Uh, yeah, this uh, we got Corpus first, so we'll we'll talk about them first. But um, you know our our uh, assisted turnover ratio is is really poor right now, so that's been a really big focus for us. This nine day break we've had, 
uh, just fundamentals, 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 taking care of the basketball. And then, uh, you know, we've done a ton of shooting these last nine days, just trying to get get more confident and get to, back to uh, what we know we can do, and that's put the ball in the hole. So that's really been our focus. Defensively, I think we've been pretty good all year. Uh, rebounding is is a, is the one area that we got to finish plays with. Uh, we have a good initial defense, and then uh, with lack of size that we've had at the, the first part of this year, it's it's kind of hurt our rebounding numbers. So we've been working hard at that. And so those are probably our two main focuses that we've been working on in this little break we've had. Throughout this time with so many injuries and just people having to adjust, has anyone stood out to you in particular that's really risen to what you've asked of them? Well, I think you talked about it earlier with Kate Hackerot. You know, we we thought she'd just be an off-the-bench role player for us, but um, she's had to come in and, and be a starter from day one, and she's responded. She's our second leading scorer, and she's our leading rebounder, and we expected her to be, you know, an 18 to 20-minute-a-game person, and she's taken advantage of her opportunities, and she's been fantastic. She had a, she had a rough game against Corpus the last time, but I expect her to, to bounce back and have a great game uh, tomorrow night. How is that dynamic between having her dad on the coaching staff and having to balance, you know, hey, I'm your dad, but I'm also your coach? <laughs> well, he's probably harder on her than anybody. So I have to tell him sometime, hey, man, take it easy on her a little bit. But no, it's been great. It's been, uh, I mean, it's it's just neat to see the relationship that they have. And uh, he has three daughters and all three of them are here right now. And it's, it, they're, he's got one that's playing Juco ball and then one that's uh, graduated from Kansas State and then you got Kate here and they're all here now for Christmas and it's just fun to 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 have that family oriented um every day in practice and the way they interact and um you know Kate's gained a, gained a lot gained a lot of respect from our teammates just with her work ethic um you know her leadership ability and so yeah it's been fun I know it's a busy time and, you know, you don't have a whole lot of break for holidays with practice and games, but wanted to ask if you were doing anything special for the holidays, if the team was kind of doing a special dinner or anything like that. Well, we play Texas on the 20th and then we're going to let the kids go home for a few days. I'm actually going to Jamaica with my daughter who just got married. So we're going to celebrate a little honeymoon with them. And uh, so my wife and I are going to fly out for a couple of days and then we'll be back for practice on the 26th. Oh, man, Jamaica, that sounds awesome. Yes, can't wait. <laughs> All right, well, Coach, it's been great speaking with you. Uh, UTRGV Women's Basketball will host Texas A&M Corpus Christi tomorrow, Thursday. That's a 6.30 p.m. tip-off on ESPN Plus Central Time. Head Coach Lane Lord for UTRGV Women's Basketball. Thank you again for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.